A word to the wise. We here at Words and Whiskey are an explicit podcast tackling choicey adult themes and definitely using explicit language. This is a short story episode where we're discussing Chuck Wendig's story, Product Placement, which is available for free from his website, TerribleMinds.com. Highly recommend you read it before enjoying this episode. It's about a five-minute read. Hey there, this is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. Think of us as your drunk weekly book club. That goes doubly for today, where we decided to tackle two episodes. The first one, what you're listening to right now, is a short story. But that doesn't mean that we're drinking less per episode, so... Let's go. Let's go indeed. Now, as PJ said, this is actually going to be a double blocker for us in terms of recording, but this is going to be the first actual episode. So we decided that we wanted to put out a short story for people to follow along with on the very first one that's free to access. Completely different type of episode. As mentioned in the intro, you can get the story directly from TerribleMinds.com, which is Chuck Wendig's personal blog. And the story that we're reading is called Product Placement. If you find our website or any of our social media when we put this up, we'll probably post a link to the story directly. But it does, it is hosted on TerribleMinds.com, so you should be able to find it there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as, as a note, I'm a big fan of Chuck Wendig. I loved wanderer's book that he put out this year i loved his he put out a trilogy in the star wars series that some people didn't like but i really liked i adored that's uh that's that so first let's uh let's talk about what we're drinking though before we get into the short so (laughs) i sent a picture to our group chat of what's in front of me right now i have a pour of teeling irish whiskey and behind that I have a cocktail, which will be for the next episode, so I'll talk about it that then. But following that, and what's going to be following this whiskey as well, is going to be uh, Raindrops, which is an IPA from Barrel Theory, which has become a theme for the past couple weeks. I've been drinking a lot of Barrel Theory, because I have so many crawlers from them. Yeah, that's that's what I've got in front of me right now. What about you? Teeling's a good choice. I am having myself a Glenlivet 12, a nice pour, good good old scotch, double oak barrel. Yeah, it's delicious. It's exactly the smoke hit that I wanted. And then I, to chase that, am the classiest broad with a White Claw mango flavored. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and then obviously I've got stuff prepped for the next episode, but... That's uh, that's it. Those flavors definitely go together. I don't want to hear any slander on Twitter or anywhere else. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> so we did mention this will be kind of a doubleheader for us personally, but this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than our typical episodes. I think we're, we're aiming for about 45 minutes, right? Yeah, something like that. We're aiming for, you know, an episode that covers the short story. We should be good. Should be good with this. This will be a fun time. Should we go start talking about the literature you know just just to start off chuck wendig is a really funny guy um anything and everything that you read of his his blog you know he's he's pretty serious he knows how to tackle serious things and be very funny like even the link right to this story is terribleminds.com forward slash ramble forward slash holy shit free thing forward slash product placement and all (laughs) of his free short stories are under a tab that says holy shit free stories (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. did mention that product placement is the name of the of the story correct yeah yeah we yep, yeah we did yep, yep. and uh we're not yeah, selling they, stuff <laughs> right right this is not space for product placement although you know that does that does kind of be that is the theme of the story so right off the bat we're introduced to our character danny um in a familiar position semi-familiar not entirely familiar with uh with a hangover yep yeah, I think I think familiar is a fine way to put it. <laughs> well, I was saying the rest of the story isn't necessarily familiar, but <laughs> he's uh, he's sleeping in a motel, um, which is interesting, and he's trying to get breakfast out of a machine and finds a candy bar after looking through a couple of different things, after looking at the pretzels and the wafers and all the dry shit that's in there. He he's like, oh, what's this this Flix bar? That's that's interesting. <laughs> 
Never, never heard of it, and uh, decides to get one. It's fucking yeah. delicious, man. What a what a fucking choice. It sounds delicious. You know, yellow wrapper is noted, Flix bar written in blue letters bordered in pink, a little green thing, some kind of alien by the look of it, held up a pair of delighted jazz hands next to the logo. Big smile, too, on that alien, purple teeth grinning. Inside, dark chocolate brick. Yeah, it's it just sounds really good. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> nothing that sounds bad about that. I right. love I love the sort of toffee candies that you kind of have to pick out of your teeth. <laughs> I don't know what I love about him, but he describes having to pick what gobules out of his teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wet honey goo. You know, it's not quite caramel. You know, in a different point, not quite caramel. Definitely not nougat. And uh, had to lick it off. <laughs> and then we find a half empty bottle Dude, of tequila right next to. His I bed. have a ridiculous sweet tooth. Yeah. I hate it. I hate having my sweet tooth. I inherited it from my father. God damn it, do I love candy bars. So when you when you read this, what candy bar do you think of? The description right before the the break. To me it sounds like a bitto honey and like a I was just gonna say bitto smashed together. I was gonna say like bitto honey and Kit Kat's a good one, but I don't think quite that. But it gets the wafer. It's gotta be bigger. The wafer. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Almost like a like a harder Twix bar, like instead of caramel, sort of the sort of toffee, honey, mm-hmm. sticky thing, but maybe the size of a Snickers. Right. That's kind of what I imagined. And Twix, obviously, very similar looking name and sounding name, so that probably influenced it a bit. Yeah, absolutely. What I think is really interesting here is that. This is a very different twist on the, like, wake up, hung over in your bed, stare at the alarm clock, realize you're late for work. Like, that's effectively what the scene could be with an inferior writer. But this is a different way of spinning it as to, like, oh, shit, wake up, hungry, need need food, drunk from night before. Just showing that and kind of explaining it through the hammer. Thing. And then mm-hmm. at the very end, it's like, oh, crap, I'm actually late for work. Like, there's almost no urgency. Right. So little urgency well, that he but, grabs two more bars. He says, doesn't he say again? Or is yeah. that later? Yep. Yeah. So like clearly this is he's in a rut. This is a problem. He's in a he's in a motel of sorts. So until you hit the again part, you're like, oh, he's like on location. He's traveling for work, whatever it is. I'm like, ah no, he's just kind of in in some yeah. shit. He's he's in the motel and it's it's interesting because using something like a motel gives a, a certain pejorative as to like, oh, is he doing something shady? Like what's going on? Why is he why is he in the motel? Like you said, could he could it just be for travel? Okay, that makes sense. Is he like driving, road trip, trucker, you know, any number of things. And obviously just not the case. Mm-hmm. I'd love I love when we get to work, right? And it's like a fucking desk job. And it just throws all of those questions out the window. And the description <laughs> of Bob Horkin, his fucking boss, uh, <laughs> with his smashed flat nose and puckered butthole eyes came over and dropped a stack <laughs> of pink forms in front of Donnie. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I mean, so he's, he's old. What better, what better description do you want from somebody talking about their eyes? Mm-hmm. Eyes like puckered buttholes. Dude, yep. it's, it's something. <laughs> yep. And uh, Horkin kind of lays into him. Go ahead. He, Horkin's just kind of an inconsiderate, inconsiderate prick. Like, how long's it been? How long it's how long's it been since what, Bob? Come on, Donnie, since Tracy left you. Like, man, do that better. <laughs> do that. Do that a little bit more considerate. I get that's the point, but oh man. Oh man, did that hurt a little bit to read? <laughs> yeah, it's just like no, no actual care in the world. This is like TPS reports, but reality. This is you know office space, but moved up to to now with a, just an absolute dick for a boss. And then the comment right after that, where he's like, "Weekend one day, thanks for your sensitivity," and he's like, "You really knock her up? That's why she left." <laughs> it's like, oh fuck, dude. Like, so now you're telling us that there's a kid too. That I felt like it was a pretty brilliant way of simultaneously showing you that this is a shitty, like, life-draining desk job (laughs) and gives you a lot of exposition on, like, what's happening in his personal life and, like, the reason for pretty much everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. 
all in a shitty conversation with Bob Horkin and his shitty, shitty butthole eyes. <laughs> yeah, precisely. You gotta assume that they're brown eyes, right? Like, he's gotta have actually brown eyes. I mean, what else, man? <laughs> Just empty sockets? <laughs> like, I don't know. Things get fucked up real quick in this story. Yeah, so I I just love how obviously of a shithead he is to him. But we also, like you said, we figure out a lot of information in what's effectively 40 words. Like, there's so much story and so little space here, which is great. It does so, make it, it does make it a little, it, it felt, it felt less elegantly written than what I'm used to reading lately for that reason, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit rushed, a little bit like wanting for details. The art of the short story is to tell, but not overtell. Right. There's just... there's a couple of points, though, that I, I definitely... I actually have, like, comments to bring up on it. I, I definitely have some interesting things where I see almost where this directly borrows from... I bet people that Chuck read as a kid and loved. Uh, there's, there's, like, one thing in particular that read as so Stephen Kingy to me that I want to point it out uh, when we get there. But, yeah. It's just, it's great. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, so he is he is very much like a minimalist in a lot of ways. I think he, it, more similar, so out of the authors that we've read, quote, Blake Crouch and Pierce Brown, he's closer on the Crouch side of things, where everything's very oh, simple, punchy, short. But but that's, with, with Blake Crouch, what I really liked about it is that was with dialogue specifically. And yes, some like inner monologue stuff, but less about actual description, if that Fair. makes sense. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely, I also don't like, know comparison. how old this story is. It's 2009. Oh, yeah, shit. So this is old. It's good, though. I, I You could have told me that old. he wrote this. Well, it's old for <laughs> him relative to the things that I've read. So it's, okay. it's cool. Gotcha. Like, I, I definitely, I thought that this was more recent because it reads still like his voice. Okay. But that's, it's interesting to me. I actually didn't. Didn't realize that. I think so, at least. Let's yeah, see. no, it says 2009 at the bottom. I scrolled all the way down. Yeah, that's where I read it. Uh, Horkin leaves after getting told to bug off. and Oh, he asks for a Flix bar, too. And he's like, you've heard of him? Oh, he does. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he like, says. no, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, these are mine. Then his good friend, which we don't know that at the time. Donnie, Tabor. Right? No, no, Tabor. no, 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 Tab- Tabor. Donnie's the guy we're talking about. Yeah. Tabor, Tabor? Tabor. Tabor. Either way. Yes. Uh, Tabor. T apostrophe <laughs> He's huge. And I love I love the like very quick description that's just Tabor was huge, hunkered over that cart like Godzilla playing pinball. And <laughs> it's great. Yeah, he seems like a swell guy. Swell is a, the word that I would use, yes. Yes. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of healthy people in this office. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's an office, but like everyone's got shitty eating habits. I imagine it seriously. This entire like description felt like it could be very well animated in the style of Rick and Morty. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh huh. Front to back, the whole thing, and it would fit right in. No, that's that's actually a really good call out thinking about the way that the story plays out. And I agree with you. It does have a it, it's a short story, so it does have a naturally quick pace that's meant to bring it to an end but give enough characterization for it to make sense and to picture it in our heads. And really kind of the focus is more on the concept than like growing to love your character, but he he gives us these bites of character in in like great context, right? So like Donnie gets abused by his boss, and then his friend sits down and asks him genuinely how he feels. Mm-hmm. And and it feels like, a, you know, obviously we're getting that juxtaposition right next to each other. Um, you know, Tabor, Tabor feels like a, a good good guy. And he's like, he definitely knows that something's up above and beyond just the Tracy thing. You know, he knows that Tracy's a problem, obviously. And later we find out that he is also, you know, one of, her friend as well. You don't need to tell me how you're doing because your breath tells the whole story. It smells like someone poured tequila in a dead possum and shoved it in your mouth to pickle for a couple of days, maybe weeks. I drank some. Some? Most? All? Just a your flex bar. <laughs> yeah. Very clearly friends. Yeah. Like, this is, this is how I would talk to you. Mm-hmm. Right. 
this is how I talk to you most of the time. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, it is a very lively and friendly conversation. Exactly. But then we start to get to the, the strange part, right? Like the focus of the story is the, these candy bars that everyone knows about that, you know, t- that Donnie swears that he's never seen before. Yeah. Right. He's like, yeah, figured you might want to try one. Try one. I love these things. Oh, you've had it before? This is my first. Yeah, right. It'd be like, a <laughs> you know, to us, it's like, it would be like a Snickers appearing, right? Right. And changing. Like, try, try this Snickers bar. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's really good, man. You should give it a shot. Yeah, it feels very like hitchhikers almost. You know, uh, what's his name? What's the other dude's? Gosh. Uh, Ford Prefect or Zaffo Beeblebrox? Isn't it Ford? The opposite of Arthur, Ford. right? Ford, Ford. Ford Prefect. Ford's Ford's on the planet with the towel, saves Arthur's life. Yeah, I th- pre- isn't it Prefect? Yeah, Ford. Time? Yes, yeah. I was yeah, just yeah, saying, yeah. I think it's Ford. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. <sighs> it's been nerd. so long since I've read that. That's another thing we should read sometime. Giving up nerd cred if I got it wrong, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Anyway, it reads very much kind of like those those strange like alien moments, right? It just feels kind of in the same way where it's like, well, you don't know what a towel is. Like you don't you don't take your towel everywhere with you. It <laughs> it feels kind of similarly strange and funny. Yeah. So they they continue that conversation and never flicks bar before my ass. I'll see you later, Donnie. Stay sane, brother. Uh, like leaves with that essentially, and then he's back home, kind of home in the motel. Well, he's <laughs> away from work, yeah, which is not home. Uh, and then just starts drinking again. <laughs> yeah, essentially. I mean, he, box he's, wine for this one, right? Yep. Yep. He's a he's a week into a week into the bullshit, right? Of going through this breakup with his girlfriend, who's suddenly pregnant and everything else, getting kicked out of their place, obviously, as we kind of can infer in him sleeping in the motel. The amount that he's drinking is kind of nuts, but it's early enough where you know maybe it's his character. I don't know. It, it was a curious thing how alcohol cured a hangover would be like getting punched in the face a second time to help the pain of the first. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, isn't necessarily wrong. No, it's it's definitely right. That's not a the good whole idea. Con- it's the whole concept of hair of the dog, right? Right. I meant more of the punching thing, the punching part. Oh yeah, that's that's true. More flix bars. So many fucking flix bars. So many flix bars. And he, he Peregri, Peregri, uh, which he's also never heard of. Another another which... little hint drop there. Mm-hmm. Just the the concept of them you know like him wondering aloud about the child that he's never gonna have you know like is it a boy or a girl he asked nobody appropriately nobody answered (laughs) it's like (laughs) stupid kid stupid tracy wanting to have a kid you know ends up obviously not yeah just the rationalization of his previous choices and everything that's happened making it feel like a a conscious choice mm-hmm. not uncommon good realistic way to deal with things not healthy necessarily but right right it is it is how people like act after stuff like that oh a hundred percent a hundred percent and i feel like especially talking about the wine and everything else you know especially when we get into the advertisement right like he's feeling gross um sitting there having drank a half of a box of wine which is like what 1.5 liters um, uh, a box of wine? Aren't they like oh, three point yeah. five liter? They're three? they're three. They're three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like total one point five liters. I'm like, no, no, no. He drank one and a half liters. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You got it. Mm-hmm. It's two two typical bottles of wine. So he's he's seeing an ad on TV. Then you know, in post in his queasy state for the Flix bar, and Flixy is dancing on the screen side by side, alien jazz hands. Um, like and the moon alien. So here's where I want to stick my flag in the Stephen King ground real quick. And it, it pops up again later, and this is where I think it makes sense. So proud to announce the 50th anniversary Flix bar inside every special edition Flix bar is a secret code. Text message the code to this number, and Flixy the moon alien might call you back to tell you if you're a winner. What do I win? You win a lifetime time supply of Flix bars. <laughs> like the the ask and answer the TV. It's like oh hmm. But what I want to stick a flag in so that we can bring it up later is the proud to announce the 50th anniversary. Just text the code. 
message. Yep. Just want to stick the flag in that. We'll come back to it when we get to the other part. But this is the beginning of... Okay. Okay. But he's drunk. Yeah. More more bars. Screw you, Flixie, moon alien bastard. Through the remote of the television. Oh, um, so this is this is the point exactly where I felt like something was wrong. Like he's not living in reality was my first thought here when the remote shatters into a million pieces after getting thrown at the wall. What kind of remote shatters, period? I've never seen a remote break into pieces before. I 100% have. I've seen people throw them at walls. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's they're they're like and we're also talking it's it's important for the perspective too. We're talking like a two thousand nine remote, so not even like a well built remote. One of the like crappy long thin ones. Like I could see the, the front cover popping off or something like that, but shattering into a million pieces. So gone. it just explodes into many pieces, is what it says. Does it? Oh it, it hit does. the wall and exploded into I, many pieces. I read it as a million pieces. Mm, gotcha. When I was reading it. And yep. didn't look at it to uh, confirm that while talking. <laughs> so, never mind. Yeah, I, I do think that this is the first hint, though, uh, that something is wrong. Not not the remote itself, obviously, but more the um, the whole TV ad and the ask-answer is kind of... It's kind of curious, you know, especially in the way that it's described, where it's like, well, he didn't expect the TV to answer, but when it did, it seemed about right. You know, and it's it's enough to, like, raise eyebrows, but not wiggle them. Yeah, but I, I that, eyes, felt, you know? that felt more like him kind of rationalizing a conversation with the TV. I don't yeah. know. It, that's a pretty predictable patter for a sweepstakes kind of commercial. True. And he just kind of subconsciously inserted his own like question to get a response. Yeah, yeah, definitely true. He might be used to this kind of thing. We don't get a lot of, like, obviously his hobbies or other activities outside of drinking. So I, I love this cut and I love the, the, his head was ringing. No, wait, phone. A phone was ringing. Somehow he managed to crawl out of the tub and slug himself onto the nightstand by the bed. The alarm clock told him it was two past, past two in the morning. He answered the phone. Gah, he said. Doesn't even answer. <laughs> Just guttural cry. <laughs> into the phone receiver and uh and then he suddenly i've totally had those moments where you definitely are probably drunk you know you wake up from whatever uh, a long night or what and and all of a sudden you're just you have these sober moments or sober realization when you like have to be for 20 seconds or a minute or whatever i right i've totally had this and that experience like his description albeit very short is very on brand and uh then she explains that she got an abortion <laughs> Silence, crickets, tumbleweeds. Well, that's good, right? We can get back together. Like, ah, uh, maybe not the best way to put that. Yeah. Maybe not the most, like, sensitive response you could have, but I guess that's what he's thinking, so. Yeah, it's uh. it's tough. I mean, and like like it says, she said nothing. Not a just her breathing, just transmissible grief. He's, it, it's definitely not the right thing to say but it's also we don't we don't obviously have a full picture of the relationship we knew we know that she wanted a kid not necessarily right now obviously as presented by the story and then she accidentally gets knocked up and decides to have an abortion probably because it's the best thing for her and then he leans into this right away in the middle of grief and all of the other things likely because he's drunk um it's over i just wanted i just needed you to know then she's gone. And he says, guh, Thank again. Guh. Guh. <laughs> and curled up in a ball, which also relatable. So he goes back to work, right? And, uh, you know, having a, having a great time there. Definitely not at all hungover again. Voices ringing like hammers in his head. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tabor's like, dude, we need to get lunch. And we find out that Tabor is also Tracy's friend and had told him as well. And uh, they're like, we need to go get food. Get some oh yeah that seems the 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 basis of their relationship or maybe the basis of Tabor in general. He uh, is a giant Godzilla man, right? Is he ever not eating or looking towards food in this story? Uh I think you're pretty much correct. Yeah, it's pretty much always food to some degree. 
But his, I mean, there's not that many interactions. Yeah, it's not that that long of a story. So his his character trait is food, though. You're right. <laughs> I I love the the back and forth too. Right before the section is Donnie, Tabor. You know you're wearing sweatpants and a robe, <laughs> no shirt. <laughs> Huge chocolate stains on the thighs. Thankfully, up front and not behind him. And whoops, no shirt. <laughs> I would love to go to the office in that attire, but completely aware of it and just like sit like a king in the cubicle, like robe, sweatpants, just slobbing. Mm-hmm. Just slobbing It'd be everywhere. So, so <laughs> comfortable instead of fucking business casual or business formal business formal that's the term mm-hmm. yeah definitely no, i haven't i haven't had to like go to the office in business formal since march so i guess i shouldn't be complaining that much yeah fair i've been living in sweatpants and alcohol stains so i get it i so my my most comfortable like it, what Just it would be kidding. for me what what it would be for me is athletic shorts like basketball shorts and a hoodie with no t-shirt. Like, that is my, like, comfort lounging attire. Basically a sporty version of Elliot from Mr. Robot. Got it. Keep that in the back yeah, of my head. Pretty much. So, they, they go to lunch, right? And, uh, you know, abortion's, abortion's some rough stuff, says Tabor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she told you. Yeah, she told you. She regrets it. I heard her in her voice. No. Lie. Big lie. Gigantor lie with crushing feet. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you can just feel all of those emotions and everything that he's, that Donnie's saying. <laughs> it's lunchtime. I got blood sugar issues. <laughs> Tabor says, goes back to your, Tabor is just food. <laughs> when was Tabor the last time you just food. Where you want to go, not hungry, don't care. <laughs> yeah. Man, don't be that way. It's funny. And then, and then he gets into Burger King. Yes, so this was the first real big section that I screenshot where I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is where the story, you know, breaks up, breaks down. Burger King, I think I want Burger King. The hell is Burger King, Tabor says. What? You deaf? Tabor enunciated What is Burger King? It sounds like exactly what Tabor wants to, though. <laughs> yeah, Tabor would love Burger King. <laughs> he would. <laughs> if it existed. And... They, like, argue about it, and, uh, like, he directs him to it. They get in Tabor's car, and Donnie directs him to it, which is not Burger King. Mm -hmm. It is instead Burrito Hut. (laughs) Burrito Hut. (laughs) The Burrito Hut, Danny read. Do you want to know what I imagined with the word Burrito Hut? Like, uh, literally Pizza Hut, but... Rolled into a burrito. (laughs) Yes. Excellent. And terrible. (laughs) All I was imagining was like a rolled up Pizza Hut pizza. Um, (laughs) Which would be so inconvenient to eat, right? Mm -hmm. But that's obviously not what this is. It's just like a different, a more different Taco Bell. Right, right. I also really like the exchange that happens after the description, right? Because the hut is weathered. (laughs) The hut looked weathered. It's funny that's abbreviated the hut. Uh, But right after that, this used to be a Burger King, Donnie said. Like, yesterday, Tabor blinks, eyes narrowed to concern slits. It's been here forever, you say? Donnie asked. (laughs) Tabor didn't say anything. He's like, my friend is drunk (laughs) off of his ass, losing his mind, making up a gay bearded mascot for Burger King. Like, it's it's all there. Their, sh- their shimmy chimmy is pretty much the best damn thing since cable television. Yeah. I can imagine a, like, fast food Mexican joint with shimmy chimmy mm-hmm. as a featured item. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And then he's like, never not once. And Donnie decides that it's time for him to get the fuck out of here because something is very wrong. Between the anomaly of the Flix bar and the obvious burrito hut appearing out of nowhere, something is wrong. The, the lack of Burger King. Yes. So he just fucking runs. Yeah. Like he 
leaves the car, yet left the idling car and ran. He runs for six hours. Um, Which... mm, I know what running for six hours is like. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Uh, And, you know, the description afterwards is is interesting, right? I I do agree it would emaciate him in a way. And I'm not assuming he's running, like, a dead-out sprint for six hours, obviously. It's just to show the amount of ground that he probably covered if he was jogging for that long. My assumption was he ran and was like delirious and it felt like six hours, but it wasn't actually six hours because he ends up back at his motel, right? Right. In six hours, you could run a marathon. Right. So. Which is my assumption of what he needed to do because he has to drive to work normally. Right. But he immediately turns around and runs back to the burrito. Right. Right. So if we assume lunchtime, he ends up in the jail cell at like midnight. I... My assumption is he actually ran 12 hours. Okay, I I can see that. My my read on it was he ran for a long time and didn't have any sort of actual grasp on like reality or time. Definitely could be. Because then, then he also gets fucking hammered on whiskey <laughs> afterwards. Like yeah. between then. Right. Between right, when between he gets back to the motel and running back to Burrito Hut. Yeah, speaking of, you know, he... Uh, Lips on the bottle, hot fi- Irish fire, char bro- broiling his esophagus. That's a that's a drink because he drank right there. And he also drank the wine. That's two. Oops. There's more than that, man. He was drunk previously, so we're just Tequila. taking two. Yeah, but that was previous. He wasn't drinking it actively. Fair enough. Yeah, he considered going back and filling his gut with more booze. A bottle of whiskey sat atop the television. He decided it would be a bad idea, a profoundly bad idea. He did it anyway. <laughs> it's. Okay. Yep. Find out what they did with Burger King. Was it drugs? In the water supply? A conspiracy was afoot. <laughs> yeah. He is unhinged, man. Mm-hmm. And obviously we skipped over the Jack Kenny whiskey. Blue label, right. it said. There's no such thing as Jack Kenny whiskey. There's Johnny Walker Blue. <laughs> There's any other number of whiskeys. Jack Kenny is not one of them. Jack Kenny is, is not it, fam. Fam? I don't know. I said it. It's too late. You're right. Public uh, drunkenness, they called it. <laughs> I liked that. I liked that jump. Mm-hmm. That was a really well done page break, or like chapter break, I guess. Section, Section break. Yeah. Um, that dropped you right into like what's going on with one phrase that tells you exactly what you need to know about like what happened to him at the burrito hut without saying anything else. It was that was a really well done transition. I think the best in the in the story, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. I definitely agree with you. And that cut of like Jack Kenny whiskey, and then there's more explanation, obviously, that comes afterwards. But you remember when I put that flag in the story earlier, right? We'll uh, we'll scroll back up to it. But in the next paragraph or in a paragraph down, everything seemed normal at first. Late lunchers lining up at the counter pair of Hispanics in front of him and in front of them, a little girl in a side-sprouting ponytail with her mother busily thumbing numbers into her Blackberry, probably text messaging Flixie the Moon Alien, Donnie thought at the time, and thought that the latter thought that would later become an alarming, alarmingly relevant. Uh, a thought that would... Okay, so that little bracketed-off text is very Stephen King. Now, if we go back up to where I put the flag in the story when he's talking to the TV screen and it's talking back at him, what Stephen King would have done is he would have called back in that bracketed text to, and I couldn't help but think of this when I read it. Like, I've read so much Stephen King, it just screamed out at me. Yeah, proud to announce the 50th anniversary Flix bar, except for it would be another jump in the advertisement. So it'd be like, call 1888, and that would be what would be in there. Call 1888 and get your lifetime supply of Flixy, Flix bars. Flix bars, this candy's out of this world. And it would be like super corny and cheesy and kind of gummy in that 70s guy. Uh, that 70s sort yeah. of way. And yeah, it just, yeah. it it actually. I like I like the way it's written because it's also prognosticative for the rest of the story. But I so when I saw those brackets, I was like, I expected a good a good zinger, and I didn't right. get my good zinger. I wanted it. No, I'm with you. Anyway, I think that would have been that would have been really fitting. That's that's my like one flag here, um, and it's not it's not bad. 
It's just I really thought that it was going to do that and kind of wanted it. But it's still good. But yeah, so we also get the, oh, okay, well, obviously, besides all the other shit, the burrito hut that's wrong, the fact that he's arrested, Flixie the moon alien, and the Flixie bar, Flix bars in general, um, and the Jackie, God, what the, Jack Kenny whiskey, all of it is just piling up at this point, and something is, something's definitely wrong. That kept my, like, mind on the shattering remote and... I thought this was going to be a like, stereotypical, it was all a dream kind mm, of deal. Mm. Not all a dream. Def- definitely not right. a dream. Yeah. Um, also, those generally, like, those stories are considered pretty cheap and generally frowned upon. So. Yeah, that's why I was, like, not looking forward to it when I was thinking Yeah, that. definitely, definitely doesn't go that way in this circumstance. So, uh,. Worst of all, you know, he hadn't noticed the police officer. He gets arrested because he freaks out <laughs> in uh, in the place. He was yelling at the fat cheek dude. Uh, by his recollection, he did a lot of wild gesticulating. Maybe some yelling. Not impossible that he said something about aliens and then spat on the register. <laughs> Mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> now here, jail, holding cell, shit. <laughs> um... And uh, he calls Tracy. Tracy doesn't give a shit. He's like, sell my shit. Call Tabor. Get me out of here. Do something. Donnie thought he heard a baby crying. Um, yeah. Which is... Uh, also interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yep. I think that's just like a little haunting element. I don't know if it's if it signals anything, but... Yeah, I think it ended up kind of just being a hallucination, which kind of feeds into the like what's real and what's not kind of problem that we're facing with this very unreliable mm-hmm. narrator not narrator protagonist yes because it's third person well and i i don't even know necessarily that he's he's not being unreliable he's just drunk you know uh, is that not unreliable well, i don't though? i don't know that it's com- I, it does cause spurts so yeah no it does it does cause spurts of unreliability for sure where you're not exactly sure. They're not telling us things that are outright lies. But that that's an example of, like, Donnie thought he heard a baby mm-hmm. crying. He probably did. He probably did think that, but is that true? That doesn't make him, like, the narration unreliable, but it does make his perception of things unreliable, I guess. Things got weird around midnight. And uh, I, I just have to point out, I laughed out loud again rereading this, or the sickly sweet scent of grade E edible but edible text mess fiesta meat from the diabolical burrito hut. And I just I couldn't I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, no, that was that was accurate. And then he saw them, moon aliens like Flixie, seven of them. What? what? <laughs> So he gets essentially abducted mm-hmm. and probed by Flixie's brothers. Mm-hmm. And green hands that smelled of metal and chocolate covered his face. <laughs> like, your hands smelled like chocolate? Yep. Weird. Just. <laughs> but yeah, also, the so this is kind of where you get some of the like sci-fi horror description, right? He caught a glimpse of pinched reptilian flesh and white fangs stained with grape-colored smears. And they came at him, hands reaching, stubby fingers wagging in the humid jail cell heat. And they shimmered as if seen behind a gauzy haze of heat rising off a blistering highway. It's like, ooh, well well written. All one sentence with some dashes in there that are basically periods. But, or commas, but very descriptive. And he wondered when his dream was going to move on. And it doesn't, because he gets abducted. Um, what was it? And it felt like someone was trying to pull that gut taffy out of his body through his mouth, ears, and anus. Yeah, yeah. So that that to me reads like a Chuck Palahniuk, like little little snippet. It's like, ooh, ah, bad gut taffy. <laughs> gut taffy through the butthole. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we get to our, our central conceit, our end bit, right? Some people do not react well to change. That's kind of that's kind of the central theme of this whole thing, obviously. Like, Donnie doesn't react well to change as it comes to his relationship with Tracy. 
uh, Donnie doesn't react well to change when his candy bar brand is changed on him, and he he doesn't you know he's aware of it obviously. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting like connection of like oh that's the point of this story very obviously like his life got turned upside down so let's turn his life upside Mm -hmm. down in a more tangible descriptive kind of way yeah right and and the moon aliens are are obviously sitting in the corner you're right tangible is definitely the way of putting it because all of a sudden it's like this is all like very real emotional stuff and then it's like Oh, yeah, also, your reality isn't real. (laughs) Like, your reality is under a different sort of control. And the moon aliens are still in the room, so we know that they're real. But I love love the, like, very short description that goes on for the remaining primary character, Battery. (laughs) Projected on the screen was an image that Donnie couldn't quite parse. It seemed to be a generic gray and black 9-volt battery with a pair of googly eyes, like the ones glued to cheap arts and crafts dolls. The fake eyes looked his way, this way and that. <laughs> Donnie's like, I'm on drugs. <laughs> he just whispers into himself. And then the battery starts talking to him. <laughs> You're not on drugs. And then immediately his response is, You're a battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh this guy's not with it like he's not talking that cohesively but obviously he's still conscious yeah. and has checked to see if he's fucking sleeping yeah were i to show you my true form your human mind would explode into a thousand personalities and leave you wailing in a pile of your own fetid mess it's like gently donnie stood like <laughs> The battery is, uh, <laughs> you have not lost your mind, the battery asserted. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. so, it's so, like, A, terrifying, and B, hilarious. <laughs> like, it's it's a terrible combination of things. One of them casually ate what appeared to be a chimichanga. Another displayed a, its beckoning jazz hands. <laughs> That's a chimichanga, Donnie said, wide-eyed. Yes, the battery confirmed. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It feels like the battery is dealing with the child. <laughs> yeah, the battery knows it's dealing with it. An incompetent child. Petulant. Yeah, exactly. As I said, some people do not react well to change. These people, like you, are the ones who cannot properly compute the dimensional shifts. Dimensional shifts. Yes, the battery said. Um, and and we, we learned that like most people just don't notice that these things come in and out of their life. It's um what's what's that effect called? Berenstein Bears versus Berenstain Bears? The it Mandela is the Mandela effect. effect, right? So basically what's parsed here is mm-hmm. just an example of the Mandela effect, wherein interdimensional aliens with a stock market control <laughs> multidimensional <laughs> realities on Earth and insert their products because that's where they should sell. And most people don't notice it, but those who do need to be called. Right. What? <laughs> How did the story get so, here? So, uh, like... So he he's running through all of these like other companies that this conglomerate of aliens interdimensionally like control mm-hmm. on what eight instances of Earth I think covering four hundred Earth based dimensions four hundred <sighs> that's a lot of dimensions yeah. and Dunny's like all right this is a little much for me to handle <laughs> and it's it's just like what if corporatism was privatized across all of the dimensions like what if corporatism what if you could never escape corporatism ever uh, can you now money more dimensions means higher means more sales more sales higher stock i'd like to just go home now what you're doing goes against the quantum code as established by earth 7 in the year of the dragon 1976 we cannot have you blowing the whistle <laughs> So now he's he's a fucking criminal in the eyes of this company. Yeah, just because he noticed a candy bar and then everything else unraveled. Because he was drunk when an update, update maybe got uploaded to his mind or something. Or was susceptible in some way, you know? Like, there's almost got to be some reason outside of just him and his being, right? Like, he had to have missed it. Well, he did say, like, Battery did say 99% of people. Yeah, 1% don't. Yeah. So it could just be that it just didn't work on him this time. We also get a great, like, reverse James Bond line. You know, like, all sentient creatures deserve knowledge. 
but by telling me this, that means you have to kill me. Yes, knowledge has its price. It's like, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we told you. Uh, we still <laughs> yeah. have to kill you. We told you because you deserved it. You didn't. We, we told you. You didn't ask. Uh, but, you know, uh, you broke it. You buy it. <laughs> kind of deal. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. You broke it because you, you didn't have a choice to break it. It was always going to break. You were fucked. Your footsteps in front of my store knocked down my stained glass window. <laughs> Give me five hundred dollars. Yeah, and I, I love I love his like way of talking out because he's he almost gets murdered by the flexies. You know, not that battery could do anything to him except for maybe explode his mind. <laughs> uh, but uh, so you know, he's like, if you grant me a favor, then you have me up. You've got me in the hook. Suddenly, I'm in your pocket. I won't tell anybody anything if I'm in your pocket. That way. You don't have to destroy me. Killing me is probably illegal too, right? Some uh, quantum code violation? The batteries seem to think about this. The googly eyes narrowed. <laughs> Damn it. Yes, it is a, via- it is a violation. It. <laughs> I can't help but laugh out loud at the googly eyes narrowed. <laughs> just the image. It almost seems anime-like in the, in the comedy for just that scene. Like just a narrow slit. As it like zooms in on the yep. googly eyes as they narrow, like it's so good, mm-hmm. so good. And he, uh, we find out he trades the knowledge for having stayed with Tracy. Yeah, Tracy and they have Tracy their and their child, right? But right. but there's some complications to that that they explain. <laughs> they have to swap out Tracy's from a couple different dimensions so it like all matches up the story that he he wants, but. It, they're assured that she won't know the difference so you know whatever <laughs> yeah yeah and and then we get to the we get to the end right and i feel like the the end of the story especially with the like illusions that their skin is different the strange hue of iguana green and the purple flash the flash of purple teeth reaching for tracy's breast beneath the shirt makes me think that they're children are actually just flixie are actually just flixies and so is tracy they're both just flixies to ensure that he's controlled and happy despite everything and he's like i I like (laughs) read it (laughs) i like change he croaks or he croaked he shuddered change is good at least they gave him that lifetime supply of flex bars a little voice in his head told him to run run break into a hard run and never come back and then he uh, changed, change is good. Yeah. Uh, drawing a deep breath, he reached towards Tracy and their new son, Flexi. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> oh my god. End of story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the story is just a joy in so many ways. Like, it's it's dark. It's obviously dark, especially since he's dealing with, you know, his his girlfriend leaving him, or his wife. I, I'm, I, I don't think they were actually married, but now they're married, obviously. This alternate... Tracy, or Tracy that's been brought in and it all just man it, it just mm-hmm. it hurts <laughs> exactly well written story very simply written story which made it very easy and quick to read and I enjoyed it very much yeah. so and I look forward to doing more of these yeah it's a it's a great rambling story it's quick it's funny and I think they're they're like Stephen King is a prolific short story writer some are funny a lot are haunting and a lot of his like bigger more well received both like movies are based on short stories or novellas and part of the reason for like that success is the same reason that i think that this is really successful is if you aren't too descriptive you leave the reader to really think about everything in between and i think that's where short stories excel is everything doesn't need to be explicit yeah yeah that's true I would highly recommend to anyone and everyone any of Chuck Wendig's books. So far, I he I'll definitely be definitely has done no wrong. Wanderers is worth a read. It's easily the best pandemic uh, fiction literature since The Stand. Would highly recommend that book to pretty much anyone. Oh my gosh, yeah, love the story. Favorite moment: his conversation with Butthole Eye Dan. <laughs> right off the bat like right off the bat i really enjoyed that like just the personal death that is working in like a cubicle office environment like that yeah it yeah it definitely is for him too what about yours um i gotta say 
the fucking battery with the googly eyes man gets me every time <laughs> like you know i i pride myself in being a semi-capable writer you know wouldn't call myself good by any means but there are certain things that you just can't imagine that some people do and then put down in, on page and you're like how the fuck did he think about that where the fuck did that was he watching toy story was he high off his ass was it lsd like i want to know how you got to the googly-eyed battery like (laughs) i just i i can like you said in the beginning or earlier on it does your your call out of it being like a rick and morty episode is so good and this was written in 2009 well before rick and morty which is what's great about it is that you know there are so many writers out there and chuck wendig is definitely a lot more prolific than some of them i wouldn't call him you know he's he's obviously no stephen king but he's worked hard to get where he is and this being an old story i think it still stands up mm-hmm. easily i agree this was this was a lot of fun yeah definitely so with that this is the wrap of our first actual reading episode it actually went longer than we thought um so all things considered please 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 follow along with us in our next book the next episode you'll be hearing from us is going to be the announcement of the book that we're reading which is red rising an exciting novel uh pick it up it's going to be a whole series we're going to be tackling for the next several months half a year almost in the way that it's scheduled yeah I mean, it's not just for that one book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, all five books in the series right now. It's it's going to be really exciting. So we hope that you enjoyed this and that you jump on the bandwagon for that. Yeah, so our, our thought process behind this episode was kind of breaking up the novels and like the episodic chunks of books. And after we finish each book or before we start a new book, we'll do another like short story thing. Just it'll be self-contained, single episode, kind of easy introduction to the format and to us individually if people hate it i don't know we might still do it anyway yeah fuck but if people if people really hate it maybe we won't go forward with it but i i think this is a i think this is a good idea i think it's fun and it breaks up what we're actually reading so i'm all for it Mm -hmm. thank you for listening to words and whiskey we hope you've built up a tolerance to us subscribe to us on your preferred platform like overcast stitcher spotify itunes or whatever else you use and check us out at our website wordsandwhiskey.show we filled our top shelf with our favorite cocktail recipes as well as other important information for you check us out on instagram and twitter at words whiskey pod all those links and more can be found in our show notes A five-star rating on the platform of your choosing goes a long way to springing us up on them leaderboards and getting us noticed. We're just two dudes helping encourage people to read and get out of their comfort zone while thinking critically about literature. Thanks for listening, and we bloody damn better see you next week.